The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. Welcome to the latest edition of the SWN podcast. I am your host, as always, Billy. Uh, God, that sounded really professional. Mouthway, unprofessional straight away. Uh, I am your host, Billy, as always. And I am joined in this edition uh, by 100% Scottish beef himself, the enforcer, Bobby Roberts. Pure Scottish beef. 100% pure Scottish beef. My it, was, it, was, it was on T-shirts, Billy. Come on. I say pure. Oh, I was going to mention your other T-shirt, but I can't mention that without swearing. So, <laughs> uh, there's there's a good few T-shirts uh, you can't really uh, you can't really mention. But hey ho, I was. Oh, sorry, Bobby Roberts. How you doing? Hey, doing Billy. I'm great. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, it, it's been a it's been a while actually since I've actually spoke to you properly. It has. We'll get to that because it's a very uh, awkward story for me, anyway. Uh, but yeah, I do, I do actually have one of the t-shirts that we can't put. I, I was going to wear it, and I thought, no, I can't. Can't. It's the arrive, stun. Yes. Please. Yes. I, I can't. I can't wear that on this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if it was an audio podcast, and absolutely, I'd do it just to pop you a bit. No, I can't. I can't on YouTube. Um, yes. I'll get to the boring question that we usually ask first, but this has been a long time coming because you were actually my one of my first interviews entirely. I think so. Back a long time ago, back when it was just uh, the the question and answer kind of thing, like the first five questions, and that, that that's when oh god, that must have been two thousand twelve, something like that. Not even that year. Our first audio interview because we did it at rock and wrestle. So we did. Was that was that Strathpever? Um, I think it was that. No, I think it was at the Ironworks. It could be Strathpever. I can't. We definitely did Strathpever tour as well. Um, but I I recorded it, got home somehow, didn't save it, and lost the interview forever. I did the same with the with Steve Robertson for Rock and Wrestle. Uh, yeah. He wasn't he wasn't too pleased because it was supposed to be a way to integrate it into the northeast and i lost it that's right yeah so uh, we, we finally got there but we're this one should stay recording yeah hopefully uh, i have had uh, bad luck with zoom at the in the past our episode with jason hyde died 15 minutes in uh because oh. my internet decided to cut off and uh, we lost half an interview with ian skinner but fingers crossed anyway boring question how did you get into pro wrestling what got you hooked well uh i mean i i'm in, in the terms of pro in the pro wrestling world, right, I'm 37, so I, I done a DDP and started really late. I, I mean, I, uh, and was it 13th today? 17th? 17th. In 13 days, I will be in. I would have been wrestling 10 years, so I'm coming up in a decade of wrestling. Uh, but the way I look at me in wrestling is, I watched wrestling when it was 1980s. I was born 84. I started watching wrestling as long as long as I can remember. It was 89, 1990 was when I first started watching it properly. And it was on uh, cable television at the time. Uh, I can still remember watching uh, Razor Ramon taking on uh, Ludwig Borga and Tatanka. I can go back and um, Sergeant Slaughter and Hulk Hogan. Uh, wrestling actually got banned in my house. Because my little brother started crying when Sergeant Slaughter shoved a flare in Hulk Hogan's face. 
and then wrestling disappeared from my house. So my story is pretty similar to the way Ruby's was. And then uh, started watching wrestling again when I hit high school. So the way I look at my life, it's evolved the same way as wrestling did. When I was at high school, it was 95 to 97. It was that kind of, oh, we're in the first, second year, this is great. In my teen years, it became the Attitude Era and stuff like that. Obviously, being a huge Stone Cold Steve Austin fan from the get-go, from as soon as he walked into WWF at the time, right until now, and then obviously when I left school, PG era, that kind of thing, like everything about wrestling I was attracted to, whether it be the, the pantomime, the stories, the razzmatazz, and then I watched Beyond the Mat. Beyond the Mat changed my whole perception on wrestling. It wasn't just watching it on TV. I wanted to know everything about it. The back, backstage, uh, how shows go together, how storylines are made, how things are produced, even further into the future, how you how a story arc progresses. All that stuff, I wanted to be part of it. And then uh, the chance came to wrestle, uh, go to training at Souls Wrestling School. So I would say, like, before you started going to training or, or finding Source Wrestling School, you just wanted to be in the business, not necessarily yes. doing the wrestling bit, just wanted to do something. I, in it. I wanted to be part of it uh, in some way or another. I mean, I remember being at school and everybody had their own wee clicks at school and I was always with the group that liked pro wrestling. Like, everybody loved pro wrestling, but they didn't like to admit it. It was a dirty little secret. And we had this wee group and so, oh, they're, they're the ones that like wrestlers. Uh, they're the ones that had the figures and playing WWF Warzone and the PlayStation and they kind of shunned a wee bit. But then as you get older, you kind of realise, no, that this is kind of a good thing to be part of. Uh, and then I, when I turned 16, 17, I, I wanted to be part of wrestling. I wanted to start training at college. Uh, when I was 16, the college I went to, they'd done a wee bit of amateur wrestling and judo, so I got into that. Done that from maybe about six to seven months before I got chucked out of college. For, uh, stupidity, so to speak, and uh, basically sat sat my hands for a good while. Up, it was at the back of my head. Still watched wrestling, obviously, but didn't think anything of it. And went into the army, uh, came out of the army, got married, I had a couple of kids, and thought to myself, if I'm not going to do it now, I'm never going to do it. Uh, and I looked up the Source Wrestling School. At the time, when I originally looked up, it was in Linwood. And where I'm based in Ayrshire, it's near impossible to get there in public transport. You're, you're taking a train and two buses. But then it moved to Ibrooks, and it was just a train. And at the time, uh, a couple of my friends, uh, we all decided we'll go up, jumped in the car, and April 30th, 2001, uh, I walked into Source, which was a very, very... <laughs> It was a day I'll never forget, put it that way. Well, well, we might delve a little bit further into that in a second, but I do remember when I was in school, so I'm, I'm 30, so we're, we're not we're probably about a, a generation in terms of school difference. Yeah. And, <laughs> I'm uh, old, Billy, just admit it, I'm old. No, okay. no, so I was trying to say it in a nice way, uh, but uh, generation in school terms, but um, I, I didn't have any wrestling friends. I had one friend who didn't admit to be a wrestling fan in school, so my my uh, my friend group was just the weirdos, so I was lumped with them. 
Um, <laughs> so that's that's where I was. Uh, so yeah, I like to ask people about their first uh, day or first time training. But when you came to Source, was there a bit of back and forth before you actually joined, or you were just like Source Wrestling? I'd right, go on. Originally, uh, via email with Demo, uh, Killing Dane, obviously, about uh, two weeks prior asking when the session was that I could join that would be best suited to myself, what I needed to bring and where it basically was. That was roughly about it. Uh, I was really excited and I'd emailed him a few times, really stupidly as a, kinda, as a fan. And to be honest, I'd never been to a wrestling show before I started training, ever. Never been to one uh, because... They weren't doing my way that often, very, very rarely, I think. I tell a lie, I went to one and it was at the Magnum and Yokozuna was there. That was the only time I remember going to a wrestling show uh, at the Magnum. But there, there was there was a wee bit of back and forth, basically just Damo telling me, turn up, bring water, bring uh, a spare t-shirt and just get stuck in. And from there, that was it. Like walked in. I didn't even recognise anybody apart from the two folk I was with and uh, Viper was there. And obviously Viper v being from the same town, my, town as myself, I kind of floated towards her to kind of speak to her a wee bit because both vehicle burning seemed a natural kind of thing to do. So how was that first session then? Uh, you said it was a bit... Well, uh, terrifying. Uh, I was really nervous at first because when we got there, uh, people were running late, uh, so there's a lot of people kind of congregating outside uh, the, the training school at the time. At that time, I took myself, I took it upon myself to introduce myself to a lot of people uh, that I didn't know. Stupidly introduced myself as my nickname. My nickname at school was Taz, uh, and I introduced myself as "How are you doing? My name's Robert, but my mates call me Taz." That got the most hated looks I've ever seen from anybody and it's only it was only until like about six months after I realised yeah no 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 why they didn't like me doing that uh that's where I met uh, the majority of people that I would consider friends uh then once once we get into training school the ring wasn't up because they had a show the night before so they'd obviously dropped the ring off and I was straight in there because I'd never seen a ring and I'd never seen a ring being built. I'd always thought, I'd, I'd always thought to myself, how does this go together? Because it must be some certain way of doing it. Can't be just putting up four posts, some beams and some boards. It must be. So I got straight stuck in about that because uh, I thought that's what needed to get done. We get the ring up and built. Uh, I watched carefully how it was done and I still had a clue like two years later how it was done right. Uh, the, the ring we used to use, we, we called it Old Betsy. And it took a physics degree to actually kind of put it together and make sure all the boards aligned. And it was uh, actually uh, Craig Byers, who was brilliant at it. He could know just by looking at an angle how much a beam or a board was off. It, it was amazing. Uh, the first session, though, was took by Paul Tracy. And I had no idea who Paul was when I started training. I knew that he was he was big in Japan. Uh, obviously, he was uh, Fergal Davids' uh, tag partner. Other than that, I knew nothing of it. 
And at that point, I just finished playing roughly about 13 years of Sunday League football. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm not too bad. I'm quite fit. I played I played defence, so I was constantly running. I sh- this should be okay. Uh, and no, no, not at all. <laughs> and the, the biggest thing I take away from that was doing two, 256 squats in a row without stopping that. And I still maintain to this day, I couldn't walk for two weeks after that. It was a lot of cardio, a lot of calisthenics, a lot of movement just to start. And I was in the ring at this point and he says, right, I want to see people rolling and taking a back bump. So I've done a couple of forward rolls and obviously Paul not knowing I'm completely brand new. I'm just, when he said back bump, I just went, uh, I'm new. And he sent me out the ring to go with the other brand new trainees and go, yeah, you're, you're over there. Uh, and then I started doing basic manoeuvres with uh, Demo, Scotty Rennick, uh, Nicky Storm and Jayla Dark and the rest of that. I just, I, I, I loved every minute of it. Afterwards, I was sore as hell. Oh my God, sore as hell. But it opened up a completely different perspective of watching wrestling. As soon as I went home, put on SmackDown and, and I could see what they were doing in a completely different light. And it made me appreciate every every single thing. I think my knees just gave out just to the thought two hundred and fifty six <laughs> squats. I've just my legs just went snap. I still remember the number, and it's ingrained in my head. And I, I say this to this day to trainees that come through the door and say they do fifty squats and they complain about it, and they, they know nothing. <laughs> they know nothing of actual pain. <laughs> Was there a part of you thinking, I could do four more just to get the round number, but, or was it just that was it? it was, you were dead I, at that point. It was more of a case of dropping out. It was like you keep going until you dropped out, and that I had to. I had no choice. I, was, I wasn't even getting all the way down. I'm like, nope. Nope. For my own knees, I have to, I have to sit this one out. Uh, so that's that, that whole new perspective thing... Um, I've I've been finding that recently because I've been I've been jumping into some free seminars. I've been invited to have a look and, and what have you. Um, still don't know why because I'm just a blogger at the end of the day. But uh, when, when I when I check these things out and to get the advice, you watch you do you watch wrestling afterwards and go, oh okay, they're mm-hmm. doing that, they're doing this yeah. and stuff you never think about until until you actually uh, hear someone who's done it go, oh you need to do this because if you don't do that then this all won't work. You're know, like. Yeah, the, there's the, more science the to it than you Yeah, the, the, the psychology of wrestling got me more than anything else. Why things are the way they are and doing things a certain way makes sense. And there's so many gateways and paths to one thing and it'll just branch off into 20 different things, what it could and couldn't be. That, that still makes me, that keeps me in wrestling because there's still opportunities to keep keep learning. Absolutely, and especially with, with the, the, I mean, even when we're in lockdown right, down, right now, there is always opportunities to learn, um, thankfully, because of stuff like this, like Zoom yeah. and, and all that stuff. Uh, so how long was it before you, you made your debut in the ring? So I had spoke with uh, Demo about when the uh, when wrestling was going to go back to Ayrshire because they've not long done a tour of Ayrshire when they'd done West Kilbride, Beath, and I think Adrossan, maybe Stevenson at one point, uh, about a year previously, and they weren't sure about going back, but they were going to do Beath. Now, where I'm from, I stay in Coburn, and Beath is literally the next town over. So I was getting billed as being from Beath. So 
demo told me November 18th is when we're going to be in Beath. I says, can, I want to try and make that, I want to be on that show. Like, I, I really want to be on that show from April 30th to November 18th. Isn't it a long time? And I said, I want to be in that show. He says, we well, need to prove it. So I was in the training school sometimes four days a week for four hours at a time doing private sessions. That, like, literally, I sacrificed a lot. Like, time with my kids, time with my wife, money, just to make sure I could make that show. And I don't regret none of it. It was one of the best experiences in my life. Like, we'd done the Beath Community Centre. I remember there was 165 people in there. Uh, I was I was on first half main against Glendon Bar. And honestly, I, it's still online. My debut's still online. Somebody recorded it on their phone. And it's... Watching it back is so cringy, but then I still see parts of it that I still do now, uh, and, it, and it kind of makes me happy. And if there's anyone that you want to to debut with from from what I've heard and read, it's yeah. Glendon Bar. Oh, Glendon Bar can make a plank of wood look good. Honestly, uh, like at, at the time, uh, like I was so nervous, and I must have went, went over the match about ten, maybe twenty times backstage. Like pulling up, pulling up Glenn going, right, is this bit blah 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 blah. So uh and we do it there and it made me look fantastic. Uh and I can't thank him enough for that. And ever since then, me and Mikey have had a great uh, well, Glenn is we've had a great relationship. We've wrestled each other so many times. Uh we trust each other so much. We can just we wrestled in large, we wrestled in uh Helensborough, and it was basically right, what we're we doing, all right, we'll do it there, no bother. And Every match I've had one has been pretty great. No complaints whatsoever. Yeah, like I said, it's, it's, it's every time I uh, mention, especially for someone from Source, uh, Glenn DeBar always uh, pops up either as a, a advice giver or it's yeah. likely their first match, first or second match. Um, just on, just because it popped into my head, I uh, was speaking about uh, Craig Byers having the eye for the ring. I mean, that's what I, I expect from a teacher. <laughs> to have it leveled. It's definitely, it's like it's like you need a physics degree just to just to put the ring together. At some points, especially old Betsy was a spring mounted ring, and it had to be certain ways and uh, things had to be in certain positions. And you could just look at it and go, "No, that needs to move." Like I can I can now do it with my ring sitting there, and I can look at it and go, "No, that needs to move slightly to the left and up a wee bit," and it makes it perfect. So it's Craig Byers. Uh, who like kind of taught me the majority of building that ring just by watching him. Same way uh, Lewis Garvey and Chris were saying as well, like the, the the ones that came before me, watching them. I, I take a lot of pride in building rings. I don't know why. I I, I just do. Uh, you've got to make sure your stage is perfect to perform on. Absolutely, I mean, and, and obviously safe. Because uh, one wrong, exactly. one, <laughs> one board in the wrong place, uh, that's game yeah. over. Well, Tell me about it. I've, I've I've been in a few rings uh, that I've just weren't weren't safe, so to speak, uh, and that's it. it. Could just be one one bold move slightly the wrong way or one beam, and it could just go. I mean, I've I've been on shows where I've been I've been ring crew, and one of the beams has popped out completely, and we've had to try fix it mid match. It's just these kind of things that happen, but it's knowing how to fix it the main thing. Uh, so I won't I won't make this uh, uh, a podcast all about rings, but just before we move <laughs> forward, um, yeah, I, I saw I saw uh, when Rock and Wrestle were doing uh, shows, um, I saw them build the ring, and I was with my wife, well, girlfriend at the time, uh, now wife, 
and I think she got an appreciation of of wrestling more seeing a ring because when you see it, it's like, oh, it's padded. Oh, they've got big pads. They'll be absolutely fine. And then yeah. we see it getting built. It's that. That is your padding. <laughs> that is it. Depend, depending on the ring, uh, to be fair, like uh, I've, I've been in rings and there's next to no padding on it to rings that are like, they've got about three inches worth of a mattress on it. And sometimes they're worse than having no padding at all because your ankle could slip. And you just, it's it's no good. <laughs> uh, right, so we'll move away from the ring chat. Uh, so uh, I do have a I do have a funny thing though. Uh, when I, when I was at Source, uh, to, uh, just before I left Source, uh, they had like some of our trainees had this end joke of basically you had to you had to graduate from the, the Bobby Roberts School of Ring Building. Uh, and it was basically a complaint and a rip on me because I would I would. Take, I'd automatically try and take charge of the situation going, that needs to go there, blah, 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 blah. And people would get really annoyed by it. So they, they made up the Bobby Roberts School Ring Building. So what, what I've got so far, we've only got to your first match, is God. You're, you're, you're a bit keen. <laughs> Whether it was a, a good or a bad thing, you were keen. You yes, very, very keen. Very, very, very keen. Uh, like, I was constantly annoying everybody uh, running up to my debut uh, when I was selling tickets. Uh, previously, before I'd obviously started wrestling, my main job was in sales. I was a salesperson uh, and I was an aggressive salesperson. Uh, I pride myself on the fact I can sell ice to an Eskimo if I tried. It's one of my main things when promoting respect as well, is I'm very, very sales driven. So, I'm, when I'm trying to promote my character, for a show, especially from a debut, I'm pushing the show, I'm pushing my character, I'm saying, you need to buy these tickets, and I'm literally waving them in their face. I even done it at ICW on my shirt when I was in character, like literally pointing it, uh, the shirt in somebody's face, you shouldn't buy my shirt and gimmick. Uh, and magically it worked. Uh, but Keen, Keen would be a, a complete understatement uh, for when when I was in my younger, uh, my younger career. If that's old. Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely shows that you, you're able to sell respect as well, which, again, that'll be for... We, we, we don't have a, a set timeline in this. It shows that you do have that kind of salesman uh, power because uh, respect of so many, um, like, you have so many sponsors, you have so many affiliates yeah. that you, you share their content with. So, obviously, it helps them, it helps you. Uh, right, let's go back to uh, 2011 then. Uh, you, you've had your first match. You said you're... You had a bit of a football background, did Sunday football for 13 years beforehand. Um, obviously, you must be confident with the crowd because having a sales background yeah. as well, you have to be. Um, yeah. Was it, Were you private Bobby Roberts when you when you first started or was there a little bit of a, a teething point before you were? It was, it, it was a strange one. It was before they even debuted, uh, they wanted me to tag with uh, Ricky Gibson. And at that time, he was in the TA, in the Territorial, Territorial Army, and he took on the gimmick of Private First Class Ricky Gibson. And I was, well, for some stupid reason, I used to wear camouflage, uh, camouflage uh, trackies to training, don't know why, but they also found out that I was in the Army. So it kind of made sense to try to put us two together. And then when I was trying to think up a name, I was like, right, okay, there's not too many Bobbies in wrestling now. And 
Then I was like, right, name, 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 name. And then I came up with Bobby Roberts, obviously. And then we just put private in front of it. Uh, at one point, for some weird reason, when I was tagging with uh, Ricky and Adrosson, I came out as the lion rampant Bobby Roberts, which was not my idea. Thank God it didn't stick. But uh, the private Bobby Roberts kind of stuck for a good while. And it did work. Uh, and I milked that military uh, background something stupid. I mean, don't get me wrong, when I was in the army, I was in the AGC, which is the clerks department, uh, the clerks corps based down in uh, Winchester. So I wasn't exactly out with rifles and stuff like that, but it was, it, was st it was still military in the eyes of the pills that be that gave us gimmicks. So, I mean, it worked and I ran with it. Uh, one of my favourite jokes, uh, running jokes, it seems to be when, uh, whenever, I think it's Lewis Gervin speaks about you, is that your name's Robert Roberts. Yes. Did that come? Was that part of the thought, <laughs> or was it just yes. like Bobby Roberts? That's yes. it. And don't think yes. about otherwise. Absolutely. Nope. Uh, like originally when I did, when I, I got the idea, I was like, "Oh, that's it." Rolls off the tongue. It's like Bobby Roberts, and it works really well. And then about three weeks later, I'm thinking to myself, "Yeah, my name's Robert Roberts." It's like that. That's like that's parental abuse. That is. That's. But at the same time, it's it it's it's I kind of. It's a take on it's a take on my own name. So it's who am, who am I taking the rip out of myself? Oh, yeah. it, 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 it works. It's just funny. Like even like during promos, Lewis would refer to me as uh, Robert Roberts or Mister Robert Roberts when we tagged down uh, Alpha Omega. I'm telling you, there's money in that if you decide to to go all business suit. If I go, if I, if I go corporate, if corporate, go corporate Robert. Robert Roberts. That's 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 boo material. That's booing all mm, over. I don't it. Know. <laughs> Maybe one day, never know. Uh, right, so I think I was there the the day you you, you promoted yourself to sergeant. Uh, I think that was Strathpeffer. It was. It was. It was actually uh, they didn't want to use private at the time because it was more synonymous when I was wrestling with SWA and Source. So Steve wanted me to call myself Sergeant Bobby Roberts. I'm like, okay, it doesn't make much of a difference to the gimmick. And then when I debuted that gimmick at ICW in one of the square goes, I was announced as Sergeant Bobby Roberts. And then in commentary, I was Sergeant Bobby Roberts. So I ran with it as much as I could. Uh, and like there, there wasn't much to it apart from just a name change. I didn't change the way I wrestled or anything like that. It was just a different name and... I wasn't too bold about it, to be fair. At that point, when it, it was Sergeant, it was kind of that point of my career, that gimmick was kind of just dwindling down and I, I needed to reinvent myself. Um, I was right about that time as well. Again, it's all stuff that I, I'm like flashbacking to what we discussed uh, round about the, those shows because uh, I, I, I was driving you for one of them, uh, for one of the shows. That, that's right. Yeah, that was, that's right. I remember... Uh, I was meant to be getting driven up in a car with a couple of the wrestlers that then couldn't make it. Then I had to get a bus. First, my first time ever having to travel uh, via bus uh, to a wrestling gig. And it was from Glasgow to Inverness. And it was phenomenal. With no leg room. And then I phoned Steve asking where, where I was getting picked up. And you rolled up with Steve and Joey Legend. Yeah, it's a weird day. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I'm like that. And I knew who Joey Legend was because obviously Mikey Whitlash has spoke about him previously when Mikey was uh, training at Source. 
And I thought, this this guy wrestled in the WWE, and I, I got a wee bit, uh, I got a wee bit starstruck. And, and, he, and he says, "You you can you can sit in the front." I'm like, "No, no, 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 no. You you you're the vet. You're in the front." He says, "No, no. You you can sit in the front." I'm like, "Okay." Uh, and I remember backstage at Strathpever, we got we got talking, and at this point, I hadn't started. Did it? In fact, yeah, I did. I did start doing the the Stone Cold gimmick at that point, and we done. The whole bit where Steve Austin came back at Unforgiven, I believe, in 2000. Uh, and he walked backstage and just called Just Your Sorry Ass Son of a Bitch and beat him up. And we'd, we'd done the whole skit backstage. It was amazing. It was honestly one of my top five moments of wrestling was, do, was doing that skit with Joy Legend. <laughs> oh, amazing. Uh, and that was also around the time you, you debuted your new gear. Because um, I remember this because... It was the singlet with the camo down the sides. That's right. And round about the same time, a certain big show, Paul yeah. White debuted yep. the exact same gear. Yeah, I was gutted, absolutely <laughs> gutted, because then my, all my mates started calling me the big slow. <laughs> uh, and that stuck for a long time. Uh, and I loved that gear as well, because it was completely handmade. A lot of people don't realise, like... Uh, at, the t- at the time, there was only a few people you could get ring gear from, and I'd message somebody down in England, M2M Wrestling, who are still used to this day, and that shield and all the lettering is actually hand-stitched on. I still have, in fact, it's in my drawer over there, and sometimes I do wear it, just just sometimes, because it's actually still really comfortable. But my, my new ring gear is, I'm really, really happy with my new ring gear, but that's uh, yet to be debuted. But uh, I just remember, again, this is all stuff we were speaking about at the time, but I do remember you, you going, I can't believe it. I can't believe Big Show's come out with this exact same stuff. Um, so you mentioned Alpha Omega Wrestling. Of course, outside of Scotland, this is one of the main places you were, uh, Morecambe yes. Wrestling and Alpha Omega, as part of the referendum. Love that gimmick. Um, so some say, some say it wasn't a gimmick. <laughs> but... I was honestly, it was a great time working for Alpha Omega. At the time, it was paid promotions, and then it turned into Alpha Omega, and it was absolutely fantastic. The the, the camaraderie backstage with the Scots was great. Absolutely. It was brilliant. Like, myself, Ryan Grayson, Lewis, and whoever de- whoever we, uh, decided to take a let's go away, because the promoter we had a lot of trust in us, especially when it came to Showtime, because most of our stuff we done was ad completely. Like, we just kind of went with it because the promoter trusted us. I remember at one point, it was myself, Scott Rennick, uh, Christopher Saint, and Lewis. In fact, no, Lewis was in the time. We were on the balcony at the Morkham Winter Gardens throwing tea cakes, Scott Tunnock's tea cakes, at one of the matches. Uh, and I believe Viper was tagging with Isla Dawn at the time and we were shouting just randomly, going Viper and just having a great time while she's having a match and stopping deed and waving, it was brilliant. Uh, there was one, I say one funny story. Uh, we, it was after Scotland beat England uh, in the Kolkata Cup a wee, a wee while back and we, we were making our entrance as we found out. And we let the whole crowd know that Scotland have just beaten uh, England and 
the the front row Morgan crowd was were always fantastic. They're so vocal because to them everything's still everything's still what it is. And we came out with rugby balls and uh, and bottles and cans of iron brew and Viper threw the ball to Ryan Grayson at the time. Grayson decided to try drop punt it and obviously a rugby ball will go anywhere and it went straight into the face of one of the front row. Like, smack. Don't get me wrong. It was awful. And I could not stop laughing. It's one of those... It's one of those we have to take a moment going, are they fine? Aye. Oh, I'll yeah. laugh at this now. Yeah, oh my, oh my God. It was, it was honestly some, some of the best times I've ever had in wrestling was doing it. Even just the car rides themselves, the journeys uh, in the car down to Morecambe were brilliant. Last night, Let It Go and me and Scotty singing it. And like, even Scotty driving me home all the way to uh, Coburnie after dropping people off, not getting home till 12, just chatting. Brilliant, honestly brilliant. Uh, we said one of your, well, you said you, you navigated yourself to, navigate. That's not the word. Anyway, uh, to, to Viper, or Piper Nibbit, yeah. of course, now. Um, and that was, that was like your first, first day. So was that just one of your closest friendships that you, you built? Because I do not often see you tag each other's stuff. She's like my wee sister. Like, I love her bits. Uh, if it wasn't, if she's kept me on the straight and narrow a lot of times in wrestling. A lot in that, and I've been there for her as well. Like, if she, she's needed me when she's been in Japan, phoning me like two in the morning, I'll answer that phone regardless. Uh, I don't know why we gravitated towards each other so fast, but we've done everything together. We're inseparable. We're, points we were putting out posters to 11, 12 o'clock at night to make sure the issue to us drew really well, or it didn't in some cases, uh, to like just being there for me. Like, it, there's been no damn wrestling that has been there for me more than Viper. Uh, and uh, another strange, well, not strange friendship, but when I when I put out the context of this, it, it'll sound strange. Um, Emily Hayden asked, just ask you about <laughs> Unity and Rick James. Oh, God. Uh, so, <laughs> Unity is basically like a kind of off-screen stable, as she's probably known me. Myself, Big Benny, uh, and Emily Hayden, and what well, was uh, Christopher Satan at the time. Uh, I think it was the night before, sitting watching the Charlie Murphy Chronicles and always, uh, sorry, the Dave Chappelle uh, show and uh, the Char Charlie Murphy Chronicles and obviously the Rick James story and just everything about that just made us pop, something fierce, everything. So every, every single thing we said, always ended with a Charlie Murphy or a Unity or, or F Your Couch or you, you'll, know, you'll know yourself, you, I know you've seen it, uh, so I can't, I can't repeat too many of the lines. Uh, and then at one point, basically, we were all tagging down at full tilt and we were announced as clan for some reason, but we kept on shouting we are Unity and throwing up our wee hand signals and it, it's, it's, just a, it's just a good wee family kind of unit. Uh, and I'd love for it to be on a show. I, re I really would. I mean, if only I knew a promoter that had us had a show that would book that kind of thing. <laughs> I, I mean, we'll get to, to respect soon enough, uh, and we can <laughs> we can speak about that more. Um, I've got written down that you. Oh, I, I remember at the time about three years ago, you had a neck injury. Uh, yes. That was kind of that was kind of you done at that point. Um, it's, it's was there was a ring or? 
It was in ring, uh, and it, it was more on stupidity. Uh, to be fair, like pla- we, I planned a match, and the the end of the match involved me to taking the the flare toss through four steel four through four steel chairs that were set up, and I stupidly didn't tuck my head fast enough, and essentially spiked up from the top rope. Uh, I've seen the footage back once. I've still got the pictures on my phone. Didn't even know about it. That's the thing. Did not even know about it. Uh, I drove back on. I drove back from work on the Sunday. Uh, Monday, I was coaching dodgeball as I normally do every Monday night. And on the Tuesday, I felt I need to go to hospital. I think I've broken my pinky. So, uh, and my knee was uh, my knee was really sore. So uh, I drove down to A and E, uh, and I explained to the women in triage. What had happened? Showed her a picture, and she goes, "Yeah, we need to X-ray you completely, not just your pinky or your knee." I was like, oh, okay, okay, cool, cool. Uh, and so, obviously, two hours go by, X-ray, blah blah blah. So I'm sitting there, and she, uh, the, the nurse comes back, and the doctor says, "Yeah, so you fractured your pinky. Uh, you've kind of got a slight tear in your ACL, and uh, you fractured your neck." I was like, "What?" Well, what not you mean, the injury, but the, the order that they put it in. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what do, what do you mean, fractured your neck? She goes, well, you've, you've, kind of, you've fractured your neck. How did you get here? I says, I drove. Like, well, you shouldn't have been able to. I says, well, I did. She says, when did this happen? I was like, Saturday night, I think. So I, they put me through a couple more x-rays and an MRI, and I found out that I'd fractured the C3 vertebrae in my neck, which is the one that's just below uh, the ridge in your head. Uh, so they basically said at that point, yeah, you can't wrestle. I, well, I was like, okay. So that was like a gunshot to the chest. Like that was an immediate stop to anything I was doing. I was building up some good momentum uh, down in Alpha Omega. Elsewhere, I was getting more bookings through which was great in new companies. I, I think I had like seven new companies booked up for that year alone. Uh, if, and then that happened. And then obviously, uh, after that, I just crumbled. Like massive amount of depression. But I still wanted to wrestle. I still wanted to. So so, so that accelerate uh, respect. Uh, yes, oh, completely. I mean, I'd, st- I'd unofficially started respect in November, November 26, 2016, where I was asked by my local primary school to put on a wrestling show for them because they were closing, they were shutting down the primary school to build a super school and they wanted something for everybody to remember. So I put on a show, sold it out well, a month before the show, Myself, I, I main evented it. I had Viper on as well, who also went to the same primary school. It, it was a great show. So from that moment, like uh, I'd left Source in 2016 as well. So I, I, I said to myself, "No, I, I want to run shows. Uh, this is the next step for me. I need to do. I need to do this uh, because I knew at that time you would see wrestling in North Ayrshire for a long time." So ran that show, I got the bug for it. I was like, this is great. I want to do this again. I ran another show uh, under the Respect banner that time uh, in 2017. And from there it just went. But then obviously when I broke my neck 
uh, that put a massive halt on things because I hated being on a show that I couldn't perform on. Yeah, fair enough, I was guest GM and the announcer to save a bit of money, basically. Uh, I still wanted to wrestle, I still wanted to feel that bump, I still wanted to hear the crowd pop like from doing some, something. And for that full year running shows where I had Scotland versus England on that show, uh, I had so many different people that I wanted to work with and I couldn't do it. I was like, this this is killing me. I need to I need to get back in the ring. Uh, so I thought, right, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna start the Respect Pro Training Centre. Uh, I'd had a good couple of guys round about me at the time. So I thought, why not? I get the blessing, I say the blessing from a couple of other higher up wrestlers, so to speak, because there was nothing, there's nothing in North Ayrshire. There's, I am the only training school in Ayrshire, plain and simple. Uh, and I remember April 1st, 2017, was it 2018, sorry, 2018, uh, Respect Pro opened its doors. We had two, two trainees walk in, that was it. I'd set up the entire ring, full matty dairy of the lot in the Laconic Community Annex for two people to turn up. And from there it just grew. I took part in that training session and that was the first time I'd took part in any physical activity or rehab, proper rehab, since breaking my neck and I lasted an hour, uh, which was a lot better than what I thought I would, but I still couldn't put any strain on my neck. I'd actually, a lot of people don't know that I broke my neck on November 18th, 2017. And then on January 4th, I re-broke it in a car crash. Jeez. So I'd actually broken it twice within the space of not even six months. So that, I would have been back a lot sooner if it wasn't for black ice, basically, so to speak. Um, I, I glossed, because it popped into my head about respect, um, I glossed over, you said you, you did... I'm going to a depression. I don't want to, um, like I say, gloss over that because it is an important <laughs> thing to speak about, uh, especially this day and age where we're uh, talking about your mental health. Health is important. Uh, I don't have the equipment to, to deal with that, but uh, I think it's good that people have their stories to tell. Yeah. Um, so you said you had your, your friendship with, you had a, good people, a lot of people around you. You had, uh, you had Viper or what have you. Yeah. So how, how did you cope? With, with your depression and uh, how did you work your way out of it or work your way to a point of being okay? It was, I just, at that time, I couldn't really do much to help myself so I wanted to help others. Yeah, even though I'd still, I was still in my cast, I was still doing, I was still coaching dodgeball. I just had to be careful what I was doing. I'm very silly. I will still train during injuries. I will still wrestle during injuries. I'm very silly like that, uh, because I want to give 110%. Whilst I was still injured with my neck, I was still working as a doorman, which I shouldn't have. Uh, I was still training away. As I said, I was training other people as much as I could. But I wanted to give people thing somewhere that they could express themselves and be themselves. And that's why the, the, pro, the Respect Pro Training Centre was actually born. At that time, like obviously Viper was there, she she helped me a bit. Uh, Bet Noir, Crystal Saint, Lewis Garvin, DCT, Scott Scott Rennick was there at the third or fourth session, I believe. Uh, he's he was down for a couple of them as well, just to give his kind of vet, veteran knowledge over to some of the guys as well. So I was just wanting to give back what I'd taken. Uh, 
essentially. And that that itself gave me more drive than anything else to try and get myself back in the ring. Um, so yeah, so that's yeah. So pretty much, you, you weren't handling, you didn't deal with your own stuff, but you wanted to make sure other people yeah. were were getting their stuff dealt with. So I th- a bit I th- selfless. <laughs> I think making sure everybody everybody else was okay. I mean, like I, I get hammered by my wife and my my uh, close friends that I I try to give other people first before I take, which I do quite a bit. Uh, I will admit that I'd rather see everybody else happy than me. Uh, and that's the same when it comes to wrestling. I want everybody else to enjoy themselves. That's that's my sole purpose on on this planet is to make people smile. It, it says on my Facebook profile, I'm here to entertain, here people smile, here to make people smile, and that's what I want to do. Not a bad way to to. I mean, it's yeah, it's not a bad way to to live and think about it. Yeah. Um, but as long as you keep yourself regulated as well, which is, oh, yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's I've, I've only it. I've only recently started doing that. Uh, only recently, I had a really bad mental spell uh, a couple of months back uh, and done some really silly things I really shouldn't have done. Uh, I went and got the help necessary that I needed. So um, I got a much better outlook on, on life just now. A lot more positivity. I'm, I'm happier than I've ever been, especially now coming up to reopening the school and reopening the gym and the community centre. I'm just, I've, there's so many things coming up in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm going to be flooded out my head with all these things, but it's everything's a positive and I'm, I'm happy it's happening. So let's let's boost up that positivity then and speak about, because I spoke about it with Ruby, uh, was the Fake Lips Rise video. <laughs> How did that come about? Well, so I, as Ruby probably explained, like uh, she she was good friends with uh, Stuart Brenner's brother James, and I've known I've known Stuart Brenner for God knows how long. He stayed about five doors along the road from my aunt, around, who stayed around the corner from me, and I grew up with him playing in his back garden and uh, stuff like that. And it's just out of nowhere, he basically messaged going, "Look, I've got a band that's interested in doing something with wrestling. Could you guys help?" I'm like, yes, oh God, yes. I'd, I'd already well, I'd already filmed something for one of Stuart's music videos years ago, but uh, the music video didn't go ahead, and he's always wanted to collab. Stuart Brenner was actually the guy that filmed my first ever promo, which is online, which is four and a half minutes long. Uh, but uh, he, he said, can we do this? So I, all right, cool. Well, why don't you guys get the guys to come down? Uh, obviously, if you've got an idea of what you want to do, we can fill in the blanks. So they, they told us the premise of the video. Obviously, you've seen the video themselves. Like they come in, they get ridiculed, and then, oh, they get healed as the, the, the big good guys at the end. But we said, if they want to do that, they need to come in and see what it's actually like to train, even if it's just for a couple of weeks. Uh, so we had them in for a couple of weeks, basically going over bumps, basic moves, basic techniques, uh, even doing even doing a drill zone and the plyometrics, we made them we made them squat. So like you're not just coming in and seeing, oh, this is great. We'll do this bit. We'll use do the hard work. So like, no, you'll you'll earn this. Uh, so we've done that. Uh, obviously, with the venue, we normally use the the Gamut Community Social Club, which is our home venue. Essentially, uh, they they let us use there for free, which was brilliant. We set the ring up, and Stuart made that place look like mania. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, the wee crowd we had was brilliant as well, and the finished product is uh, uh, is great. Like we now, we are now going to be using 
the the theme song uh, rise as our intro tunes to our shows. So I highly recommend that, folks. Go on uh, Spotify and download uh, Rise by Fake Lips. Probably way to, to plug it as well for it. But, yeah, uh, yeah I, was, I was speaking to, like I say, I was speaking to Ruby about it, but uh, you're actually doing the in-ring stuff with, with DCT. Yeah, so, great. Um, it looked like good fun. Uh, so a lot of changes. You, you spoke about a training school, so we'll get what's that. There's been a lot of changes in the last year uh, yeah. due to things uh, anyone listening or knows they'll know yeah. what's happened um and also there's been a lockdown but one of the names that you brought on recently was was looking sharp yes in there so what's what's the team now uh, what, what is your training team the team as it stands just now is also myself uh we we've brought in uh we brought in Krieger, uh <laughs> and obviously looking sharp as well and dct so, Krieger and Lou is we've we've basically got an affiliation with each other, like with Pro Wrestling Scotland, Pro Wrestling Innovation, respect. They're all trying to look after each other uh, with the help of Logan Storm uh, as a as a mediator. Uh, with Krieger as well, bringing him his experience and looking sharp. He's travelled God knows everywhere. I'm pretty sure he's got a stamp for every every country and his passport. So. It, he brings in a vast wealth of knowledge and a, 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 a unique way of explaining things in a different way that you can pick up. And I've learned a lot from Lou and a lot from Krieger as well as they've learned a lot from me. DCT just brings absolutely everything to the table, whether it's production backstage, characterisms, just uh, drills. He's the whole package, honestly. Like DCT brings Respect Pro together especially i mean i was thinking about all those names uh, that you brought on board they've all worked internationally they work on the WWE network um mm -hmm. dct of course uh, was in australia and of course is a uh I, you're all students of the game but he started as yes. a as a journalist oh, uh with his journalistic integrity so you see he has the the kind of um gift the gab in written form whereas you guys are more spoken word as well yeah. so it's it's a it's a good mix of of guys of course you had a uh, jayla dark in and out as well she was she was uh, there a bit uh, as well so you've certainly uh had many many come through uh, is there anyone that that's already made it two shows uh through through school i mean i know ruby has ruby has uh, a little bit sean, sean martin Ruby and Craig, well, Big Benny. Big Big Benny, I, I wouldn't exactly say he was he was one of those to start with. He was an original source graduate back in the day and he debuted in a battle zone for a whole 12 seconds. And he'll, 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 know, he'll know complain about me saying that. But he, he does say he was reborn when he came to respect. Uh, and then obviously he, he debuted again. Sean Martin is what a fantastic prospect, honestly. He is a pure student of wrestling. Uh, he, he knows far more than I, I do about wrestlers, so to speak, uh, but he is definitely one for the future. And Ruby as well. Uh, like Ruby is almost like a, a wee mini carbon copy of myself, which can be a bad thing, <laughs> but she's working on more positive aspects of, of uh, being a Roberts, which is, which is great. So, But uh, there is definitely a few more coming through the ranks. Uh, once we reopen, obviously, uh, I've had so many messages from some of the trainees and previous trainees uh, from other schools uh, that left 
a long time ago have decided decided to come back and give it another try. So I'm really looking forward to that kind of challenge. Um, I mean, I suppose not to not to labour on on the bad things, but with people leaving the wrestling business, yeah. it probably gives people confidence. Think right, okay, they're gone. I can I could probably give it an hour go. Um, I've actually got Sean Martin coming up uh, on the the show. I'm speaking to him. Uh, well, this interview will be out. Uh, after I speak to him, but April twenty sixth. So I've, I think I've, I've hit the respect uh, triple threat then because Big Benny was was in the was in the first season of the show as well. So uh, yeah, so Ruby Roberts is, is continuing the family name. Um, yeah, she, she's she's my legacy. As I once told her, really drunk and Maggie Mays, so I said you're my legacy and kissed her and he'd and she busted crying. But I was really drunk when I said that. So she was she was a good reason why she was crying. <laughs> it was like, oh, oh no, I don't know. <laughs> she ran out of beer. I don't know, <laughs> but no, uh, like I look, I look at Ruby and I see a lot of myself. Uh, like, like we both have the same uh, condition, fibromyalgia. It's very rare in men to have it, uh, and I was only diagnosed last two two years ago with it. So, but I don't have it as severe as what she did, and I like Ruby was my wee project, like. I'd like almost like big brother kind of style. Like I took I took her under my wing and I made sure she was not so much protected, but I, I push her. I push her more than any other trainee I've got because I hold her so, to such high regard. And she puts in 110% effort every time she's in without fail. And she's in more than anybody else. But to be fair, she also stays like five minutes away from the place. So, <laughs> but no, um, uh, like I've got I've got a lot of hope for Ruby. And uh, did she decide to take on the Roberts name or was that something you gifted? Oh, no, that was me. That was <laughs> me completely. Oh, I, I was like, you're, you're Roberts. She was like, what do you mean? figure out a first name, but you're a Roberts. So we ended up coming up with Ruby Roberts, but we spell it with an I. Uh, and we ended up taking the mic, saying Robbie Roberts, which is quite funny. But uh, <laughs> but the thing is, as well, she bought she got on, uh, a ring gear and it's got Ruby in the side of it. She's only wore it once and now she can't wear it because she's dropped a phenomenal amount of weight. So now it's just hanging off her. So I'm thinking, if I can peel off the ruby side of it, I'm going to steal it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I have to speak to her about that because she put up like a, a before and after picture just yeah. before I, I spoke to her, and I was like, I, I wouldn't have guessed it was the same person uh, as well with that. Um, it's, yeah, um, um, unbelievable. Uh, so we'll go back to your, your ring names for a second. Private Sergeant, we've already covered. Um, Hundred yeah. percent pure pure Scottish beef. Was, was that, again, what was the reason for that one? That was that was the Pride era, so to speak. That's when uh, I was working Pride quite a lot. And I just, I, I, I just, I don't know why it just came to me. I have no idea. Uh, and I thought it was more of, it was, do you know what it was? Sorry. So we, we'd done a seminar with Nick Dinsmore, uh, Eugene at Source. And it was, he said one thing that just turned my whole life around. You're not just a wrestler; you're a brand. You need to make you need to sell yourself as a brand. And the sales in me just went, and I went, ah, right, okay. What can I use that is almost everyday kind of stuff? So 100% pure Scottish beef, and then you've got the logo, the wet T-shirt. It's things that people would use most days, if not every day. Uh, I used to be a butcher as well, so I'd see 100% pure Scottish beef everywhere, and I'm like. That would look great on a T-shirt. And then I started getting announced as 100% pure Scottish beef, Big Bobby Roberts at Pride. 
and it just went for there. I'd only really use it if it was a face, because it doesn't really stick as a heel. Never never did, never caught on. Yeah, it's a bit more of a, a yeah, cockier thing, saying, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the most pure uh, pure athlete, I suppose, yeah. uh, with that. Um, of course, I couldn't do a podcast without speaking about Stone Cold Bobby Roberts. Oh, please. Uh, because oh. it was incredible. <laughs> so so here's what I've got information-wise about it. Uh, okay. You're doing an a impression of him backstage, of Stone Cold Steve Austin, of course, and uh, Dallas, well, Dallas didn't know about it. You were put yeah. in front of him, eyes closed, you did the impression, yeah. and then that was that was Stone Cold Bobby Roberts. Pretty much. Uh, like, also been uh, an Austin fan for God knows how long. I've always done the impression. I've always tried to perfect it as much as I could. And I remember we were training one day and we were taking like five, 10 minutes in between like uh, going from drill to drill and people were just promoing randomly. And I remember it might, it might have been Joe Coffey, I'm not sure. Not Joe Hendry, sorry, had done an Austin impression. And I said, that's terrible. That's, and oh, let's hear yours then. And I just burst out with it and everybody just dope did. And I remember Damo at the back room goes, yeah, that was better, but get back in the ring and get get, get more work done. So I ke- people kept asking me at points on the smaller shows, we're, do- we're doing Pride, we're doing Soul, so I'm doing the impression backstage for people just to hear it. And then we, uh, we're doing a tour with ICW, it's myself and DCT are doing ring crew. Uh, and we got the ring away and we're backstage and I think it was, uh, it was Grado's birthday at the time. And they wanted me to do a promo for Grado as Steve Austin. So I'd done a wee, wee bit of happy birthday, uh, your son of a bitch and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and funnily enough, uh, Finn Balor, Fergal was backstage and I'd done one as Austin against Finn Balor saying you're stepping into my town and all that kind of stuff. And I uh, is Dallas here this? I'm like, no, I don't think so. I was like, hold on a minute, hold on. So that Dallas get brought in like hot. He couldn't see nothing and then I promoted and Dallas like, who is that? Who the f- is that? And he's like, how did you know to, how did you know tell me you could do that? You're booked. I was like, what? He said, I, we're, we're using that. So I, I spoke with Dallas we were mayor and we decided to run with it on uh, the ABC Shug's House Party. We are ran through, we are trying to figure out how we could turn that into a gimmick somehow and we thought about the concussion angle. And uh, during that show, I get, a che- I get hit in the head with a chair from Chris Renfrew. I get taken backstage, out cold. And then when Dallas was doing an announcement for the Barras, I think, I swagger out in a pair of jeans, shaved head and a leather waistcoat. And we go through the whole, your injured spiel and ends up taking a stunner and for there, just kind of shot off. I mean, it was the one character I used that never wrestled, that made money. It was ridiculous. Ridiculous. It was everywhere for a period. I mean, obviously the wit t-shirts, you had the the, the arrive, stun, leave yep. uh, shirt, and all that kind of stuff. But you're also then you're put with with Joe Hendry uh, right about the same time. So yeah, I was. Only go. So the whole the whole thing with me and Joe, uh, for my recollection, was this was on the third space pause, I believe. That they, they didn't have anything for me. They didn't know what to do. There's only so much I can go out and interrupt somebody and stun them, and then that's it. Because, in all honesty, could I have done a match as 
Stone Cold with that amount of tenacity and aggression? Probably not. Uh, it made it look great. Rumble spots, yeah. Battle roll spots, yeah. Occasional stunner spot, yeah. Uh, but then we need we needed to do some. So uh, I was backstage and was told go get a camera, go get go get the camera person or whatever, and go film some promos. So I end up grabbing somebody's guitar from the crowd or something. I was walking about doing Austin's guitar gig, and I end up gra- grabbing Red Lightning at one point. Some lady in red to him. Uh, and I ended up bumping into Joe, who had had the idea for a song, and it just went from there, like, uh, and it just shot off. Like doing the promos and doing the entrance videos with Joe were, were absolutely great, and it was just it was giving another uh, it was giving another dynamic to the character. It, it was almost in a way of it was almost in a way getting rid of the Steve the Stone Cold character into a different Bobby Roberts because at points I wasn't even doing the gimmick. I remember doing well, I think it was like the next episode uh, rip and I came out wearing a black t-shirt, a pair of combats and a jacket. At one point it was Fred Dust at one point. It's, it was a good way to get rid of the, the Stone Cold character without getting rid of it, if you know what I mean. Of course, because you did the, uh, did the um, Phil Collins drum solo. I remember that one. Oh my God, that was... <laughs> That was a that was a year after I debuted the Steve Austin uh, the the Austin gimmick story and I'm like what am I doing you want me to do what all oh, right so I'm the monkey right okay and I'm thinking to myself John you know, I'm meant to be wrestling I'm a wrestler this is just ridiculous and then when I actually do it and then watch it back going no I'm an entertainer that's what made the difference the whole crowd pop as soon as I held up the the, the gorilla mask and look at the drum kit. The crowd popped and it made sense there, there and then. It was great. And the way Billy, the way Billy Kirkwood sold it on commentary was brilliant. Uh, the other one I remember is uh, Philadelphia. Uh, was, oh, she's a Philadelphia? Yeah. yeah. That was such a, a weird one to film, by the way, because we had to do it in, like, Sockey Hall Street. And there were so many people watching me. And, like, I'd, I've never seen the film Philadelphia. I know what it's about. So I'm playing Tom Hanks in this. I'm like, okay, so why? Uh, and then when, when he, he explained the video to me and what it was for, I was like, right, okay, I still don't know what I'm doing. He's like, no, just go it, just go it, we'll be fine. And I'm like, all right, okay. Okay, it's, to this day, it makes no sense. Like, apart from he just wants something decent in his burger, that's it. I'll be honest, I've never seen Philadelphia either. So I'm very confused by the <laughs> video, but it still makes me laugh. So it's well, done its job. Why am, I, why am I skipping in Socky Hall Street wearing a bonnet in an old man's jacket? And, and I'm in shot. I was on my way to training at that point. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Um, so you mentioned, moves on greatly to, to, to our two stupid questions I ask. But you mentioned you were a butcher. So you'll, yes. you'll have some uh, some oh, theories on this. What would win in a fight? Two sheep or one cow? A coup. Just, just straight up. Just yeah. a coup? You ever punched a coup? I have. <laughs> Trust me, their heads are solid. Just like a sheep is going to do nothing. It's just too small. Can it do anything? Can it reach a coo's head? It can barely reach a coo's udders if you're lucky. And it was gone. Big ball of fluff, gone. A coo's a coo. I'm, I'm still believing in the two sheep, but yeah, a cow is starting to, to move ahead. <laughs> move ahead. Uh, there we go. Uh, there we go. Someone's got, someone's got a raining, just smiled because he had a pun. 
Oh, I remember being at a show at Dundee Scott, backstage and Scott Rennick was, was on it and he, honestly, I don't think I ever heard a sentence that didn't have a pun come out of his mouth the whole time. I was there for five, four look, hours. If you look up the word dad jokes in the dictionary, there's a picture of Scott Rennick right next to it. <laughs> uh, our other stupid question is, of course, what's your favourite dinosaur? T-Rex. That's a classic. T-Rex. Um, T-Rex straight away because, like, you look at the story arc of Jurassic Park, Right the way to Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom, it's the same T-Rex all the way. And just, funnily enough, uh, I would show you my ringtone, but I'm using the camera. Uh, my ringtone is actually the Jurassic, uh, the T-Rex roar from Jurassic Park. Right. And I crap myself every time it goes off because I forget it's there. My, no, definitely not the same way, but mine's the Marvel opening. And I, I, I genuinely, because I'm a child, I get so excited when someone phones me. And then I realise I have to answer the phone. Well, because funnily enough, that's no my that's my message tone. My ringtone is actually a theme tune to Red Dwarf. Ah, uh, but but yeah, I'm I'm now I'm just I don't know why I think I'll be conditioned by Marvel now to be so excited when I hear that da, 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 bit, and I'm just like, oh oh, what's up? Oh, someone's phoning me. It's a phone call. Yes. No, I haven't been in a car accident in the last five years. Oh yeah, it's like oh, you arms in order is arriving. Like, I didn't order anything. Leave me alone. <laughs> uh, right, so we'll move on to, to Twitch uh, okay. with, with Ruby. Um, I'm, I think I've pretty much ticked off all my notes on my way, so we'll, I can throw in my pen. Uh, so during lockdown, of course, nothing's happening. Nothing's yeah. happening at all. And you started doing Twitch with, yeah. with Ruby. Um, she obviously said how it was all set up, but from your, your side of things, uh, how did you go about it? <laughs> It, it was, I've seen, like, I'm not lie to you, it's like one of those, oh, there's a good cocktail, I'm going to jump on that. And I'd seen, like, obviously, Emily Hayden doing it, and uh, it was it's a good laugh, and, like, obviously, Dela Dark, and a few others uh, doing playing games, and I love playing games, but I'm awful at them, and I get frustrated and annoyed. So I was like, people would like to see that. People would like to see me getting visibly frustrated and upset. Would they pay money for it? Maybe. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm eight falls away from 100, which is good, and I'm already affiliated, which is even better. Uh, and I've made a whole $33, which I don't see at all. I hit 100. But it, it gives me something to do. Like, I get to talk to people. I get to interact with people uh, and bring a wee bit of happiness to them. I don't know if you've seen it, but when we've done the Horrible Foods episode where we basically made up mystery mystery boxes. So if we got a follow or we die or eventually we just give up and just feed each other things. It was one of the highest, highest episodes we'd, we'd ever done uh, and knowing people were getting a good laugh out of that made me happy and it kept me going. We haven't done ones recently, like obviously due to my dip in uh, uh, health and the same with Ruby. Well, hopefully we were going to do one tonight, but uh, I've got other plans, unfortunately. Next week, I think we're doing one and we're bringing in a TENS machine, which is like the ab thing you put on and then you shock it. Oh, okay. So we're, we're going to be doing that. And plus, I, I asked Ruby along to do it as well because it helps her be herself in front of a crowd. Even though she can't see the crowd, people are still watching and she gets that kind of practice uh, on screen because you never you never know when it's going to be needed to be fair and plus 
she frustrates the hell out of me when it comes to games, like to the point of sheer disappointment. That we were stuck on a level of Mario for three weeks. I think I think we actually lost some viewers because of that. I, I started, I, I was the exact same. I tried to do the, the Twitch thing. Uh, well, mainly I did it. I did made a load of wrestling characters and, and what have you. And then half of them had to delete. So that it stopped being fun for me. But uh, yeah, I I was the same. I, I started playing and I thought, no, I'm a, te- I'm a terrible loser. And I'm not very good at games. This is not a combination I want people to see yeah. in my life. I would rather them just, this, this I, I, hour, I'm dealing with Ideally, I would like to do it with like my PlayStation 4 and obviously uh, Modern Warfare. Uh, I, I think I'm going to be doing, once we can, me and Emily Hayden are going to be doing one together where we're playing Rayman. Because uh, we while back when the world was normal, uh, she was down at mine and we're playing Rayman and we're getting severely frustrated in her playing ability for that game. And, it, and like, this could work on camera. It would work really well because uh, we've got quite good chemistry. And then I'm thinking, like, my mate who watches me simply Modern Warfare all the time, I'm so gung-ho, I just literally run around a corner and if, into fire for some strange reason, and he thinks it's hilarious, so he thinks that might work on like, on video as well. I'm like, all right, cool, something we could try. Just, I need to sort out, obviously, the equipment side of things more than anything else. Right now, I'm just using emulators, and they're easy enough, but I think once you step up any more... More expensive hardware, it kind of things kind of go a wee bit south. Well, at least with the PS4, you can do it straight from the PS4. Um, yeah, I th- I, the remote play, I think that's the best option I've got. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, that's that was why I gave up. But what you're saying, the confidence and 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 having Ruby doing the the uh, like be in front of a camera. Yeah, it's certainly this last year, especially, it's it's shown who's willing to do that. Of yeah. who's willing to put that little bit extra effort in because there's no shows can't train I put we you guys can't train I'm not I wasn't doing training beforehand uh, yeah. but we're, we're finding ways to put personalities out that's why I'm, that's why I did the podcast because it gives people like uh, Benny or it gives uh, trainees Sean Martin coming up um, a chance to at least tell their their yeah, stories it's, it's, it's an extra platform it's it's, it's easy enough doing a spoken word podcast because you can't see anybody but like, i know that when this goes out people will watch me they'll see my reactions they'll see how i react to questions and like if i'm in gimmick or not they they, they would know the difference if that makes sense uh, so doing like this kind of visual podcast it, it bodes well for a lot of people coming out the gate just now especially guys there's a lot of guys that haven't had matches yet, but they're putting their characters over first, which is great, it's brilliant. But my only worry is they're putting over such a strong character. Is their ability going to match up with that character or at least match up to what they're putting out? Uh, yeah, I, I could not agree more. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm loving seeing these promos and creativity, but yeah, yeah you're building up a high expectation that yeah, It'll be very difficult to actually. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Me saying that will ruffle a lot of feathers, and to be, to be fair, most of the time, who van who's feather van will ruffle. To be fair, uh, but at, at the same time, I've I've been getting CVs for respect for when we get shows come back and are talking about this, that, and the other. And I'm like, how many matches have you had? None. Well, what can I do? But at the same time, these are the same people that are coming out of really really good schools. 
Obviously, there's a lot for Joe Hendry's school. There's a lot for uh, FPWA, and they're, they're absolutely fantastic. And I know someone personally as well, so, and especially the calibre of the coaching, uh, I've got no doubt they're going to be great. Yeah, like I said, I'm not in any disagreement with you. I'm, I've, I, at first, I was like, oh, this is a bit, this is a bit strange. I would like to see some wrestling first, but it's doing that. You're not saying it in a, in a, in a oh, they shouldn't be doing it kind of way. You're putting a bit of logic towards it going, it's great you're doing it, but you're building up an expectation for yourself that, that it's going to be difficult to go with. So yeah. um, I don't think, I think feathers, if, if there's any feathers, uh, feathers, I can't say the word, feathers ruffled in that respect, the they're aiming to ruffle them in the first place for yeah. you. So um, I can't see anything wrong with what you're saying there. Uh, I was going to ask you, of course, to, to maybe do a bit of a stone cold depression, but you've got hay fever. And as someone who has that, I'm not expecting you to do it. So, but if you well, want to the bottom line is, Billy, strike a limb and tell you something, son. You got me on your podcast talking about who knows what, when knows what. The bottom line is, respect pro wrestling. Pro Wrestling Center comes back on the 17th of May. Get your ass in the ring. And that's the bottom line. I think there's no better way to finish up the show then. Where can people find you? <laughs> on social media. Where's Respect Pro Wrestling? Where can that people find will, us? That will come out so bad, by the way. It was the worst thing to record as like an audio clip. So many takes trying to do one small promo, trying to get it right because the, the, the rasp and the voice and the audio is just ridiculous. Uh, so that's the bit I'm going to clip if I, if I do get now to start clipping bits out to put out to, to <laughs> promo that's the one that's going out anyway uh, I've got Joe Hendry doing a Trump impression for a second I'm like that's it, that's the one that's going uh, but yeah, where can people find you on social media? So you can you can follow us, you can obviously see us on uh, on Facebook under Respect Pro Wrestling on Twitter, uh, Respect Pro Wrestling uh, you guys on TikTok as well but that's under uh, this guy Bobby Roberts Instagram on Respect Pro Wrestling as well. So we're hopefully going to be opening up the Respect Pro Training Centre again on the 17th of May. Uh, hopefully, uh, so we'll have roughly five classes a week. We're also going to be starting up a brand new wrestling boot camp for people that don't want to actually wrestle but want to do all the fitness aspects because as wrestlers we have to have some sort of fitness behind us, hence maybe. <laughs> So we're looking to try that out as well. And our kids' classes will be starting back up quite soon. Perfect. Well, thank you for joining me today. No problem, Billy. Thanks very much. <laughs>